Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. Welcome back to Painting Corners, and I guess you could technically say welcome back to us because we missed two episodes and we missed an episode for the first time ever. Dave, of course, is here with me. Dave, how are you doing this evening after missing two days? Two I'm doing episodes. great. I was just going to just pretend that never even happened. So now that you brought a point to it, uh, it won't happen again. So here we are. We're back. And we're going to bring you our three up and three down of the last week or so because there was a decent amount to happen in the MLB. Yeah, I mean, when, when you miss a week, we're going to have a whole bunch of news. I mean, we got to start out with Christian Yellich just absolutely torching and I mean torching the Cardinals. Is there yeah, he, ever been anybody like torturing a team like this? Obviously, you have Chris with a K, who we're going to talk about a little bit. Davis torturing the Texas Rangers, you know. Uh, Ortiz even... with the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he kind of murdered them for a while there. I mean, Christian Yelich is on a Barry Bonds type level right now. Right. I believe he has 13 home runs at the time of this recording. Should have had 14. And the second hottest hitter in the National League was the one that robbed him. Which right. was Bellinger, and then he hit a home run himself. To he's got like twelve or eleven, which is ridiculous. Bellinger's being outshined by just how good Christian Yelich has been. He's hitting the shit out of the baseball, home runs, doubles, getting on base, not striking out. I mean, he is legitimately turning into Barry Bonds at this point. Where it comes to bat, you might want to walk him, and he has a legitimate shot of hitting sixty. Yeah, I mean, if he obviously if he keeps the pace up, I mean. That's obviously almost, I don't want to say a pipe dream, right? But, like, the pace is there right now. No, yeah. I mean, if you if you just look at the stats from last All-Star break, he's in first for batting in every single statistical category, including 39 home runs. You know, and he's... That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of on the opposite side of another MVP, which I'm sure we'll talk about eventually at some point during this episode. But even Mookie's starting to heat up. But when it comes to Yelich, he literally is 5-tool. I mean, we talk about Mike yeah. Trout. We talk about everybody like that. Christian Yelich is on that level at this point. And yeah, I mean, the awesome. big thing for him was he didn't have the power, right, in Miami. He had the contact, he had the field, he had the speed in the arm. But, I mean, he's got it all now. He's putting it together. And, you know, the the Brew crew are looking more like geniuses every day with that trade. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best trades in the past 10 years for sure. I mean, Oh, got it. Imagine if Lewis Brinson. Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, realistically, what they give up, and imagine you gotta think the Yankees right now are kicking themselves, right? Right. Like they went and got out Stanton and his big contract, where they could have gotten Yelich or Osuna, honestly. Or Osuna. I mean, you got you got to think the Yankees. I mean, they got what they needed to. They they gave up a bag of balls for. Uh, yeah. I mean, they gave up Castro, who's a top five singles hitter. That was more a, a salary dump. And it was a salary dump, exactly. So. They didn't really give up anything for Stanton, but I, I think if they could repick those those out of those three, Stanton would probably be number three. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you would even take a look at D. Gordon, considering the injury, you know, history in the past couple of years, especially with guys on that team. But yeah, I mean, I mean, just look at the injury history on the Yankees the past couple of years, including this year's too. A guy like D. Gordon would be very valuable. I mean, let's let's go straight into Christian Yelich to D. Gordon. I mean, and not D. Gordon, but to the, to the injury history of the Yankees and the Red Sox and pretty much everybody in baseball right now. We saw Mike Trout go down at some point last week. You know, you see John Lester with a crazy injury, Jake DeGrom. What is going on in baseball right now? 
you know, it's it's a weird start to the year, and this is obviously one of our downs of the last week or so. It's just so many injuries to start the year. The injury bug is not good. The Yankees have 12 guys on the IL, and obviously about six of those you knew. You know, Montgomery and Didi, you already knew they were going to be out. And you get a guy like Tulo in there, you know he's going to miss time. Ellsbury, you already know he's out. Stanton's good for the IL at least once or twice a year. But it's the other guys that you don't think. You know, Aaron Judge didn't think he's going to be out there. You know, he's for his size, he's kept in great shape, you know, health-wise. A freak injury off the wrist, was it, last year? That yeah. broke a bone in his wrist? Basically and the now same Bogart injury as last year. Same, exactly. So, you know, freak injury there. You know, Andrew Hart, young guy, hurts his shoulder. That's a freak injury there. So the Yankees are bouncing around. The Red Sox, Evaldi, you know, needs two months out. He needs surgery right there. Lester with his hammy, DeGrom on and off the IL. I mean, you got a lot of big-time names right now that are injured and banged up, and it goes up and down the league. This year so far, hitting's been the story. It hasn't really been pitching besides the few bright spots here and there. But for the most part, it's been hitting. And the injuries definitely are taking a toll on that because a lot of them are on pitchers. But teams like the Yankees are in a lot of trouble when it comes to that. I think it'll turn around, but it's just not very fun to watch off the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, if we really think about it, I mean, one of the best things that I love the internet for purposes like this, somebody tweeted something about Jacoby Ellsbury and they were like, changing the 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 DL to the IL was the best thing that ever happened because now we can call Jacoby, Jacoby I. Ellsbury. And I was like, yes, please. That's true. That's true. Please. And Jacoby is just one of the worst contracts in baseball history. Yeah, I mean, but you know no production. Just, doesn't play. Yeah. Doesn't play. He doesn't do anything. Like, let's be real here. No, he doesn't. He just he just takes up money in a roster spot. But opposite one of the worst contracts is our second Beautiful. major up of the week, which is good contracts in baseball. The baseball players themselves are extremely happy in the last couple weeks. The fans are extremely happy in the last couple weeks. The owners are extremely happy the last couple weeks. The MLB Players Association is not happy last couple weeks. And the reason they're not happy is because their clients are not getting the most they could get. It started out with Acuna, and now it's in Albies, who took $5 million over the, each year over the next seven or eight years, depending on the club options. Chris Davis, the good one, in Oakland, who is a 247 hitter, which is about average, I would say, in the league, 250. We'll round up. But he hits 40-plus home runs a year and isn't a liability in the field. He's not great. He's not like an all-star, but he's not a liability. He signed a two-year extension worth only like $15 million a year, $16 million a year. Yeah. You know, whatever whatever it trends down to. I think it was $33 million a year. I forgot the points or whatever. But a big, big win for the players and for young guys that are finally getting paid. And it's from teams that usually don't pay. The Braves don't pay. Oakland doesn't pay. But they're coming to agreement saying, you know what? We see the potential. Let's lucrate your pockets now. And if you play outside that zone, that's great for everybody, right? Your next contract, you can leave. But they're keeping the young talent and the homegrown talent there longer, which is the goal of everybody, basically. Yeah, I mean, you have guys like Eloy, you have guys, you know, and it's it's a widespread of ages at this point. You never know when an injury is going to happen. So if you're a guy like Chris Davis, I mean, we just saw somebody like Matt Shoemaker have a historic start to the beginning of the year. I mean, one of the best starts in it for a Blue Jay pitcher in a very long time, and he goes down with an ACL injury. You know, you got to be very careful with how how you play this game because you're betting on yourself every time you walk out there with a without a long-term contract. I love this contract for Chris Davis. He's being rewarded for what he's done in the past. And now, I mean, 
Oakland, the fact that Oakland gave out money, that's like handing out a $40 million contract to somebody else for being real. Yeah, 100% considering the fact that they never, ever, ever hand out the money like that. And they did it to a guy that, you know, it's not the middle of free agency right now. It's not anything like that. So they kind of, not on the kindness of their hearts, but they took a step in the right direction to be a competitive team. It's, and especially in that division where you have so much opportunity at this point, why not as, you know, the Astros just went on the tear that they did, but you have the powers that be that are struggling in the Yankees and the Red Sox. You know, you have that wild card spot that's wide open. If you're the Oakland A's, the time is now to attack. And the time is now to get going. And what better way to do that than making your best player extremely healthy and a budding superstar in center field or Ramon Lariano just to keep it going? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's going to be good. And guys like Lariano can maybe get a little bit of that money too and stick there and just be a menace to society in center field. That guy's going to win the gold glove this year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which denying just, Mike just Trout one more year. <laughs> yeah, another one. Not that he's, you know, having it, There's just so much talent in center field in the AL. It's ridiculous. Oh, it really is. A, let's stick to the bright side here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's at the expense of our Boston Red Sox here. But Chris Davis with a C. He broke a record. We tweeted about it. People talked about it. We talked about it. Uh, last time we were on this podcast, I said that there's no way Chris Davis is being a role model at this point. That's the only thing he could be doing, right? Because he can't hit. He can't really field anymore. I mean, at this point, he's a utility pitcher because he can't. He literally can't hit the baseball. Finally got a hit. Broke his over 56 streak. He actually ended up with a couple doubles, a home run in the series against the Red Sox. Had a great series. Had a great series, you know, picking up uh, against Porcello where he's left off years ago. But man, I guess I was wrong in the aspect of he looked so relaxed out there and just went with it and he talked about it in post games where he's just like you know at some point you have to embrace it and i'm talking about when you finally get the hit he was laughing at first base the whole dugout erupted he asked for the ball back yeah he asked for the ball like it's his first major league hit he's like i'm gonna get it embroidered i'm gonna get it you know time stamped and all that he's like what are you gonna do just gotta run with it at this point and laugh that's why they keep chris davis around because apparently he still can't keep it loose and it's good to see a guy that is getting paid $100 million to close his eyes and go up to the plate, can still laugh about it because at the end of the day, he really should. I mean, they're not competitive. It's not like he's been offered to go to other places. That team sucks. He sucks now. He's just out there having a good time, just keeping it loose, and good on Chris Davis for that. Yeah, I mean, one of the great things about this game is I was talking to one of our third baseman here in Amarillo. He started out really strong, really, really slow. You know, uh, Hudson was talking to me, Hudson Potts Padres uh, prospect. And I was like, you know, what's going on, bud? You know, what's, what's going on with your swing to where you're only hitting 120 at this point in the year? He goes, sometimes it just doesn't happen. You know, sometimes it takes a while to get used to again. This is you're we're doing something that is absolutely impossible to do and shouldn't be allowed. Your body shouldn't be able to do the things that we're doing, hitting baseballs at this speed. You know, this sport should be impossible as it is. So it takes some while to get used to. Obviously, nobody's ever had a stretch like Chris Davis had, but great body language. Great clubhouse guy from after after this ended, everybody coming out and saying how proud they were of the guy. You know, he's struggling, he's struggling. It's it's awesome to see, and you don't think that we would have said that probably a week ago. 
No, not at all. Absolutely not. And it's good to see that he's doing that. It kind of shows why the Orioles are still sticking around with them. Obviously, they, they own the money, but they could have cut him at any point and sent him somewhere or whatever it may be. So it's good to see that he's he's taking it on the chin. He's having a good time with it, and he's just he's rolling with the punches. It's a game at the end of the day. We have to yeah, remember that. he's enjoying that game. He's enjoying going out there and being a professional baseball player because at the end of the day, he's showing that he'd rather go out there and play and suck than go home and sit and do nothing. He's still getting paid no matter what, but he still wants to go out there and participate at least. You know who doesn't want to have fun? It's Major League Baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball, exactly. Austin's alluding to the awful, awful job they did with Tim Anderson the other day and that debacle of a game in Chicago. We'll set the stage a little bit. People have seen it already. Uh, You know, We tweeted about it. Tim Anderson hits a moonshot, absolute moonshot home run and tim anderson by the way let's reiterate so you have to remember that this is a small person this is a guy that struggled hitting throughout his career finally having a season and finally gets a hold of one decides to let loose a little bit let loose a little bit yeah you know not taunting anybody specifically uh didn't stare anybody down didn't uh mock anybody just you know screamed at his bench threw the bat towards his bench and ran and then eventually ran down the first baseline a very emphatic bat flip. It was, you know, Joey Bats esque, if you will. Not as uh It was a toss, not as disrespectful like more than I a guess. flip. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Joey Bats went to go do it out of being like, you know, F you to yeah, he threw it towards the Texas dugout. To Texas at that point, where Anderson was kind of just doing it, like, let's go. I I got you and I hit I hit a moonshot. But his next time up, of course, you know, the old unwritten rules that no one's ever seen, and that should not even be there anymore, he gets beamed right in the hip. Now, he was upset, and after the game, and you know, after everything, he he admitted that you know, yeah, I knew I was going to get hit. I was, but I knew, and that's just sad that he knows he's going to go up there and get hit. But what really confused me was the lack of control by Major League Baseball at this point. Anderson stood there for a second. Molinado instantly got up and got in the middle of the two. Anderson, from what I noticed, never made a step towards the mound. He actually started walking down first base, and he was giving it to the pitcher at the time. Yeah, it was Keller. But he wasn't. It was Keller, yeah. He was giving it to him, but not anything crazy. He's actually tapping Molinaro on the chest, and at one point kind of being like, I know, I know, but he's just kind of just letting him have it. But then here comes the benches, and for some reason here comes the bullpen, and tempers fly, whatever. And then what happens? Tim Anderson gets thrown out of the game. Yep. Not the guy that threw at him, but he got hit for flipping a bat, and then the bench is cleared, not because he wanted them to. And then he gets thrown out. And he was suspended. He admitted the suspension wasn't great. He was using some vulgar and, you know, not the time or place language. And he admitted that, you know, he should have said things differently and did things a little differently when it came to the words he was saying. But everything else, he was like, I, I get why I was suspended one game, but everything else was still ridiculous. And I agree 100%. And also, I know you're kind of on the same page, but what do you think they can do to fix this as MLB in a whole? I mean, in, unless we just get all the old heads out of the game, if if you're a pitcher, don't you have to start kind of being excited for yourself at this point? I mean, you know, I understand. You don't have to be Chris Archer. I'm begging you not to be Chris Archer, obviously. Yeah, pl- please don't. Like, you know, there's, there's, don't be Chris Archer. Yasiel Puig's the hitter extreme, in my opinion. 
to where it's it's just goofy more than anything else. It's not. It's for oh yeah, he's 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 bat flipping sack flies. Yeah, yeah, he's bat flipping sack flies and everything else. But I mean, if you're a pitcher, I mean, don't be afraid to show a little emotion. These guys flip bats on you. They do everything possible. There's nothing Major League Baseball, in my opinion, can do like as a whole, unless you just stop finding people and. There's this. That's the problem with this. There's no solution to this. It's just a something that's going to keep going forever. And I think you and I both know that. Yeah, I think until the old heads, like you said, get out of there, and the new age of umpires come up that are you know 30 years old, not 50 or 60. But I think there is a way to fix it. And I tweeted it a little bit. And Major League Baseball has to get behind it. And I don't know if that's going to happen. But number one would be not to warn the dugout anymore. Just throw the pitcher out. Flat well, out. I have an idea. Out. Don't warn the batter's dugout. Yes, that as well. So number one, be don't warn the batter's dugout. That happened in Pittsburgh earlier this year. I believe it was uh, the it was Reds. Archer. It was Archer, yep, and it was. And he threw at a guy, and they warned both dugouts. And they were like, well, I didn't do anything. So definitely don't warn the hitter's dugout. The other thing would be just throw out the pitcher. I don't care if it's the World Series and it's the second inning and Lester throws at JBJ. Throw him out. You know, that's the step right there. Secondly, I think putting a heftier ban on some of the people coming out of the dugouts would help the nonsense that ensues. Like NBA for rule ex- it? Yeah. For example, why the hell does a bullpen have to come in during a brawl? That's part of the unwritten rule. And the outfield, too. I mean, yeah. you've heard Andrew McCutcheon talk before. McCutcheon's said multiple times that by the time you get to the infield, you're out of breath and confused. Yeah, nothing's happening anyway. You don't know what's going on. You're just tired. He's he's been to Instagram Live and all Twitter time Instagram Live story. All great. He's a phenomenal Instagram Live guy. He's great in front of your camera. He will be a guy on ESPN Crew and MLB Tonight when he retires finally, whenever that may be. You know, five ten years from now at this point. But you could do that. You know, you got to find those, you know, put those guys in suspension, 10 game suspension, something that actually make it hurt because they're relievers. You might not see them for 10 days anyway. You know, make it something hurt, get rid of the pitcher, and start having bigger, you know, fines, bigger consequences. This if is... a pitcher throws at a hitter, don't make it five days because they're going to appeal, get it down to three. It's one start. Make it 40 days, 20 days. Make it like a PED suspension. And then take it to arbitration, then take it to the, you know, the next level if they want to drop it down from 40 to 30 to 20. Because at the end of the day, it's a weapon and unwritten rules or not, if a pitcher hits a batter, he it is okay. But if a batter charges them out the bat, it's not. But both who holding is weapons. More of a, but yeah, but who is more of a defensive player at that point? I think the pitcher can run away from the hitter right yeah and he can run and do all that but the the batter just stands there and takes it i mean you look at Giancarlo stanton look at george uh jason hayward i would assume if they could have got out of the way of a you know a 95 plus mile on fastball in their draw they would have but you can't sometimes and they are at the mercy of the pitcher how much of an asshole he wants to be after you hurt his feelings yeah and this is a topic that the next time we have cole on or we have Bryce on, or we have somebody like that, even Bruno. It's like I Anyone wanna, that plays at a higher level. Yeah, I just kind of want to talk to them about it because I feel like the player opinion is one of the biggest parts of this, obviously. I mean, they're the ones getting hit. They're the ones throwing it. You know, how do you feel when a manager tells you? Does the manager tell you? You know, how does that all go down? You know, have you had a situation to where it slips? You know, et cetera, et cetera. 
it's definitely a topic that I want to discuss with the guys. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are times when guys get hit and it's not, they don't mean it. Well, it, my, I mean, so my biggest thing is the Acuna thing last year with the, with the Marlins. Oh, yeah. He's just dominating Nonsense. you and you decide that, you know what, let's throw him off his game a little bit. I think it was, I think it was that lighter said, really? Like, yeah, right. You can't beat him, so you're going to hurt him? I've it, never it, understood like, that. It's very confusing for me. They took the old saying, you can't beat him, beat him up. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, you can't do that in a non-contact sport. You can do that in hockey. You can do that in football. You can't do that in baseball. I mean, if you want to if you want to pitch him away or pitch him in, sure. But, I mean, there's no reason to throw like that. And, and you know when it's, you know, on purpose or not. We've seen we've seen extremes to this, you know, of, uh, avoiding players. I mean, Bonds had a 600 OBP at one point during one season. I mean, Joe Madden walked... Chris Bryant, I don't remember, or Bryce Harper, I don't remember how many times in a series in Chicago one year. Just there's more, there's more way to go about this if you're a manager, oh, 100%. If you're a pitcher. I mean, Barry Bonds was intentionally walked to the bases loaded. Yep, Buck Showalter, because he was Buck Showalter said, "Yeah, I'll give up the one run instead of the four. Yep, which is fair. It worked, and it worked. Yeah, give up one, then get the out the next time, and you're fine. There's ways around it for sure. Definitely. Uh, by the way, a little fun fact. So the amount of episodes we missed last week, right? Yes. Is higher than Cole's ERA. Wow. Yeah. It's Cole sitting at a one five three as of right now. He's one and oh through three starts, so shout out to our good buddy. And uh, he's doing he's doing the work. Shout out to Swerve and Irvin. Um, you know, I hope that you hang out with Nick Pavetta and I hope you help him out and I hope you just take his spot. Another exciting player from the top 50 list is coming at number 40, Luis Robert, an outfielder of the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox love their prospects. They love Cuban prospects. One of the best Cuban prospects since Yoan Mancada, who was also on that team. An 18-year-old, in, when he was 18 in Cuba, he hit 400. He's 21 years old now, a big body on him, 6'3", only 185 pounds. He's definitely going to fill out a little bit. He has a Great arm. He can hit for power. Very overall solid baseball player. White Sox Dave is going to tell you more about it now. Next one is Luis Robert. This dude is a freak of nature physically. I've said this before. If he were playing, uh, if he were American, he'd be playing wide receiver at like Alabama or something. Uh, crazy power, crazy speed, uh, sideline to sideline, so to speak. Um, speed from the center field position. Very good arm. Will tap into his power. He's a freak of nature, like I said, and once he stays healthy for a full season, it's going to be off to the races for him. Coming in at number 35 on our prospects list is Jesus Sanchez from Tampa Bay. He is a power-hitting outfielder who is above average at defense and has a cannon for an arm. Does that sound like somebody from Tampa Bay? You betcha, because that's what they go for. This guy looks like a middle-of-the-lineup type of player. He's done nothing but hit since he was signed out of the Dominican Republic. Something Tampa loves to do is sign those international slot money guys. And he is cruising along through double-A right now. Our buddy Ryland Stiles from Rays Colored Glass is going to tell you more about him. Jesus Sanchez, the 21-year-old from the Dominican Republic. He's a left-handed hitter that throws right-handed in the outfield at right field. He's going to be something special to watch because his average has dipped 
to 282. That's his lowest batting average. And for a right fielder, that's incredible. He's had thir- he's had 37 career home runs, not too much power since he's been playing since 2015 in the minor leagues, but he has been able to produce 241 RBIs, which has been critical for him in the second to leadoff spot somewhere in there in all of these minor league lineups. So to be able to, be able to create eight that many runs speaks a lot to his situational hitting and also the race ability in the minor leagues to get on base for him. He is just some, someone to watch going forward in that crowded outfield, though, with Tommy Pham, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Austin Meadows. It's going to be hard to kind of find a, a slot for him to play in the next few years, so maybe he'll end up on the trade block and be an asset the Rays can use to go get someone more for a playoff push. Next up on our list is Austin Riley, a third-base prospect for the Atlanta Braves. Austin Riley's in a very good position because he's waiting under the ageless Josh Donaldson, who at any time can be cut and or moved, and it's a good guy to look up to. Austin Riley is a plus third base defender who is upside mostly defensively, but he has some pop as well with a nice 60 power grade. They're really hoping he can turn into a John Donaldson type, playing very good defense, but having that pop when he was in his prime like, like Josh did. To tell you more about that is Chris Willis. Depending on where you look, uh, Austin Riley's either the number one or number two prospect left in the Braves farm system. Uh, he's come a long way since being drafted in 2015. Uh, he's shown an uncanny uh, ability to make adjustments at the plate. Um, he's gotten better as he's advanced through the minor league system. He's worked really hard on his body. Um, you know, uh, there were some concerns defensively early on, but uh, he's turned himself into an average, above average uh, defensive third baseman. There's still some swing and miss uh, concerns there, but you're talking about a guy with real power potential that could translate to the major leagues. Um, you know, I, I really think we would have saw him in 2018 if he hadn't had that knee injury that sidelined him for about a month. But, uh, um, you know, we could see him definitely in 2019, even with Josh Donaldson already on this Braves roster. Next on our list is a future gold glove outfielder and Christian Pache, an outfield prospect for the Atlanta Braves. This guy is a Liriano and Bradley Jr. in the making with ridiculous running arm and fielding grades at 70 plus this guy is everything to be in one of the best defensive outfielders in the mlb when he gets up there hopefully he can put the hitting together the braves aren't going to be looking for much pop out of him but if he can get on base and get a high obp he'll make it a long way chris willis is going to pick up on more about him on a prospect that he's really into there's a lot of debate among braves fans about who is the best uh outfield prospect in the organization and it's either drew waters or christian pache pache is the one that's gotten a lot of the buzz early as uh, drew waters is just kind of coming on the scene but you know i i think it's important pache doesn't get lost in the shuffle either you're talking about a guy that's probably major league ready to play defense right now there's still some questions with the bat uh he flashed a little bit of that power potential last year uh but you know that's still the that's still the area he needs to improve on the most uh, started the year at high, uh, hit well there, moved up to double A. I figure that's where he starts back. Uh, but this is another guy that, you know, I'm really excited to see in spring training. Um, you know, we could be talking about him and Waters both uh, around 2020, um, you know, as, as possibly moving into, uh, you know, into Atlanta's outfield at some point. Um, yeah, but the defense is out of the world, out of this world. And as a physical specimen, he he is really impressive. The speed is legit. 
Uh, he needs to improve his uh, decision making on the base pass. He's not. He's not even with all that speed. He's not. He's not the a real stolen base threat. Uh, he struggled a little bit there actually, but plays a shallow center field and is just really, uh, really smooth out there. I mean, the name Andrew Jones always comes up when people talk about Pache and his defense, and I mean that's some that's some great company to be in. Next up of the Los Angeles Dodgers is Kaiba Ruiz. Alan Yamashiki from Dodger Blue is going to tell us more about the absolute stud behind the plate that is Ruiz. So Kybert Ruiz is the consensus number one prospect on the Dodgers. He's top 30 in pretty much every prospect ranking site. Baseball America 20th, Prospectus 31st, ESPN 27th, Fangraphs 15th. I mean, it goes on and on. And that's just based on his advanced skills and performance at such a young age. It was his age 19 and 20 season in 2018, and he spent the entire year at AA, and his results, both offensively and defensively, were great. He's relatively unathletic, which is probably going to be his one downside, both offensively and defensively. But overall in defense... He's a great receiver, so he's probably going to be a fantastic framer whenever those metrics come out when he makes it up there. His arm accuracy is fantastic, and overall defensively, he's got pretty much the entire package. And offensively, he has fantastic back control, so he struck out just 8% of the time against pitchers that are significantly older than him and more advanced. So the real way that he could improve there is eventually being more selective, waiting for a pitch that he can really drive for power as opposed to making contact with everything. As of right now, he's mainly a gap power kind of hitter, so high average, low overall power. And it just depends on the type of batter him and the organization want him to be eventually. We talk about these prospects like, you know, we wait for guys to come up, we hear them once they become to a certain level we hear their names all the time in trade packages Alex Verdugo is the biggest highlight of that because you see a guy whether it's you know being rumored in a U Darvish trade that wound up being Willie Calhoun whether it's being rumored in all these Indians pitchers trades Alex Verdugo has been nothing but great for this Dodger organization and the Dodger organization to this point has been very loyal and they're now being rewarded. So Alan Yamashiki is going to tell you more about this stud outfielder that LA has found themselves with. Alex Verdugo is the number two consensus prospect in the Dodgers organization. Like Ruiz, he's a top 40 overall prospect by pretty much every site. He's 35th in Baseball America, 19th in Baseball Prospectus, 37th ESPN, 117 in Fangraphs. The idea behind that is his supposed makeup and off-the-field concerns. We don't know enough about that to say much, but I'm assuming the other rankings just go off of skill, tools, performance. In regards to all of those, Verdugo has done everything he can and needs to do to make it to the majors. He's 22. He spent last year in AAA. He hit 330, struck out only 12% of the time, walked 9%. He's a very advanced hitter. He has a huge arm that fits well in right field, which is probably his ultimate position. The concern there is that he might not have very much power 
So we'll see where that goes. He probably has the ability to unlock more power. He just hasn't as of right now, which is fair. He is young, and his main skill is his contact. So from there, they'll figure out what to do with him. He just might not have a huge opportunity on, on the actual MLB roster this year with Bellinger and Peterson also being left-handed outfielders. So we'll see how that shakes out. This is one of those clips, man, that I wish I would have put out before the season started. James Clark from East Village Times tells us about the domination. That is Chris Paddock. He tried to tell us how good he was going to be, how legendary that this fastball and this changeup and the combination and the pitch selection was going to be. And now we get to reward it. Now on Painting Corners, now we have Paddock Day. So let's see what somebody who knows Chris Paddock better than just about anybody has to say about it. First off, his changeup is is already major league quality. It's, it would already be... All I've heard uh, is it's legendary. Yeah, it would it would probably be a top five, top ten changeup in all of baseball right now at this point, just in his changeup alone. Uh, his velocity has, has increased slowly uh, after the injury. He's up to mid-90s now. And we all know that if you can spot a fastball and arm that with a changeup, you're you're pretty much unhittable. And then you look at his innings pitched last season. He had 90 innings pitched last season, and he walked eight batters. That's eight batters. Amazing. And he struck out 120 in that time. So his numbers are Bugs Bunny like. There's a lot to like with him. There's a lot of. I've spoke to him briefly. Haven't really had the opportunity to really talk to him like I like I wish. I, I missed him in like Elsinore a couple times that I had an opportunity to sit down with him. But from what I've gathered and what I've heard, he's got that that it factor, that that Franmil Reyes factor that we talked about. The factor that he wants to be better than his his counterparts. He wants to be the best ever. He has that type of mentality, and that's what you want to see from a young pitcher. He's ace type of pitcher. He ha- he's an, it's it's hard to throw that label out there, but he has ace type of ability. Benjamin Hockman is going to talk to us about Alex Reyes. Alex Reyes is another one of those guys, you know, that we talked about. You have to be patient with when it comes to development. Uh, you know, caught in limbo between whether he's going to be a starter or not. But like I said, Benjamin Hockman, St. Louis Post Dispatch. Here we go. Yeah, it's funny because when we had our our pre podcast meeting and you were saying. Uh, I, you wanted me to list five starters and then three key relievers. I The first thing that came to my mind was like, where or how do I talk about Alex Reyes? Because right now he's he's not slated to be one of the, the, the five starters. We'll see what happens. And he's not slated to be a closer or anything like that. They're, they're going to have to see what he can do. And uh, they, they, we will all watch together, the, uh, the scouts, the executives, his teammates, and, and the media – uh, to see what Alex can do uh, during spring. But um, the optimist says, and I, I say that a lot about the Cardinals, a lot of things have to go right. But if, if optimism is achieved, uh, this could be a pretty good team because we're talking about a guy in Alex Reyes that used to be the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. And he's still young. And, uh, of course, they're really high on him. So who knows? I mean, they, they expect him to pitch many, many innings for St. Louis this year. Uh probably as a starting pitcher, but I don't know if that means he's in the uh, the late March rotation. Um, a lot will have to be determined. You've been hearing a lot of this voice lately. This is Chris Willis of Talking Chop to talk to us more about another, another 
one of these Braves arm. This one being Ian Anderson. So here's Chris Willis to tell you everything unique about this this pitcher. Braves had a number of uh, highly touted arms reach the major league level in 2018, and uh, uh, I think Ian Anderson could be one of those guys that moves fast in 2019. Uh, Anderson's starting to move up a lot of prospect lists around the uh, around the internet, and uh, he had a, he's coming off a great 2018. This guy's sitting there with mid mid nineties fastball, a great curveball, and a changeup that continues to get better. You know, he seems like he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit with some of these other big name guys like Mike Soroka and Kyle Wright. But uh, I, I think Anderson's going to be one of these one of them that moves really fast and is going to turn a lot of heads if, if he can put together another healthy and productive season. Uh, we may not see him in 2019 just because the Braves have a ton of pitching depth. But, uh, you know, I think he's certainly in the mix come 2020 and, uh, you know, really excited to see what he can do this season. Coming up next is one of the most interesting pitching prospects in all of Major League Baseball, Hunter Green of the Cincinnati Reds. One of the only guys in, in the league that has a legit 80 fastball grade. He can get the ball up to a shocking 102 miles an hour on a consistent basis, something that Chapman and Reyes have, on, have only been the one to master. His big problem is injuries and developing that second pitch. Coming off Tommy John surgery, he's going to be a slow rehab type player. But our good buddy Chris Saunders is going to be able to take you through his development and see if he can make it in the show. Green's fastball is around 80 in terms of 20 to 80 scale. His slider's at a 55, changeup 50, control 55, overall of 60. This is a guy who was drafted number two overall by the Reds in 2017, got a $7.23 million contract because of that. And while he does have a blazing fastball, which is 97 to 101 miles per hour, the delivery has a tendency to get a little bit unorthodox. The fastball is a little bit too straight, and he got hit pretty hard in the minor leagues. I mean, in single A, he had a 4.48 ERA, and at one point his ERA was in the sevens before he lowered it down, and then he eventually was out with a UCL sprain. He should be good to go, but he's got to work on his secondary stuff if he wants to continue on being a starting pitcher. you got to remember, he's still young. 